Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello there. I'm not quite sure what's happening. We didn't get our intro music as we usually do, but this is Kim Hopkins standing in for Dr. Ross Green, although he actually might be calling into the show for the first part. He hoped to anyway. Um, It's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this podcast the first Tuesday of the month. Now the intro music wants to start, so we'll let it go. Well, good morning. I hope you're all doing well. We're already having some technical difficulties this morning. I'm not sure why, but again, this is Kim Hopkins standing in for Dr. Ross Green, who might be able to call into the show today for the first part. He had hoped to anyway. Um, It's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this podcast the first Tuesday of the month, September through May at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We do our best to help you with your behaviorally challenging child, help you figure out what's going on, and help you figure out some things that are going to work. Our call-in number is 347-994-2981, and make sure to press 1. I think I'm joined by a parent, uh, B-team moderator and leader, Stella, although the technical issues that we're having are making it so that she is having trouble joining us. I see her called in here, but it says she's on hold, although that I have actually lifted her off of hold. So I'm not sure what's happening, but I hope that she can join us. I'm also expecting Jennifer today if she's able to make it. And I'm going to let Stella know to try to call in again here. Let's see. Stella, are you on with us? Hmm. Technology is great, but I'm hoping that this will get fixed as we roll along here. We have several emails today, no callers yet. Um, I, I see that Jennifer is trying to call in and can't get connected, so I'm not sure what's happening with the Blog Talk Radio uh, format today, but we're having some issues. We're going to roll forward with some emails as everybody tries to get on. Um, I'm going to let Stella know to try again, please, and see if they can get in here. All right. Um, Our first email comes from, and this is an old email. We apologize that we got backlogged with emails, but we're actually doing a great job of catching up. So um, if you have a question, we do encourage you to either call in or email in. And um, our backlog is getting clear, so we hope to get to emails in real time again, which is always our goal. So this um, emailer says, our daughter is 2.5 years old. She's always struggled with certain behaviors that we consider highly undesirable, biting, screaming, temper tantrums, etc. And a few months ago, your book, The Explosive Child, was recommended to me. I bought it and I read it, and it definitely gave me some insight into what might be going on for her. Even at her age, I can see she has lagging skills. 
What I'm struggling with is using the ALSIP to help her. Because she's so young and because she has difficulty communicating, although she talks very well for her age and she won't slash can't communicate verbally when she's angry or upset, we can't help her, um, we can't have her help us find solutions. We have already identified her lagging skills. How can we help her solve her unsolved problems at such a young age? Thanks for your help. And I'm again going to just check on the status of our callers here who are saying it's just ringing in and ringing and ringing and ringing, and I'm not quite sure what to do about that. Um, so you might just be stuck with just me today. Uh, so let's go back to this email. All right, so two and a half years old, um, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son with some similar situations, so um, I'm with you here. So the first thing, it sounds like you use the ALSIP, which is great. You know, if you listen to the show, it's always what we talk about doing is starting with the ALSIP. Let's see. I think Stella is trying to get through again, so I'm hopefully taking her off mute. Nope, it didn't work again. All right. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you use the ALSIP. That's fantastic. And I want to make the point that you said you identified her lagging skills. Great. And those are just the springboard for figuring out her unsolved problems. So you don't have to be terribly precise about lagging skills and get worried about that. Um, they're really just meant to help you get to and think about some great examples of when you're seeing those lagging skills play out. In other words, the unsolved problems. Um, so I'm really happy to hear you started with that. Your main question sounds like we, we're trying to solve her unsolved problems at such a young age. And we get this question a lot. We've talked about it a lot on podcasts before, and um, we seem to, to have uh, a lot of folks up. Oh, and Dr. Green can't get through either. So <laughs> Everybody's trying to get through today, and it's not working, so I'm not sure what to do. I might just ask him if text him and see if he has any opinion on how to fix it. Um, let me just tell him that real quick. How can I fix it? All right. So certainly the model sounds different with kids who are at a young age. Um, it's still potentially doable of course, um, it's just going to sound a bit different. And you are going to be playing a different role as the parent. You might have to be, I call it a little bit more of an active role. And so um, remember with plan B, the first step, the empathy step, your goal is to try to get some information from her so that you're not guessing if you don't have to. And even very young kids can give us some information. Now she's not going to um, say when you say to her, you know, say you're saying you have, you seem to be having difficulty getting to bed on time, what's going on? She's obviously not going to say, well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what's happening. I'm having trouble transitioning from playing to bedtime. That's not what she's going to say. But you can certainly use her facial expressions, her body language, her nonverbal communication to get information. You can also um, take some guesses and see how she responds to your guesses. She might be able to give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, um, or she might, again, have more facial expression and nonverbal communication that kind of tells you if you're getting close or not. Um, I do this with my son often. 
um, just because he, although has a lot of language, isn't able to always tell us um, what the problem is. So, for example, recently um, he came home from school and we had had a report that he had bit another kid and um, obviously very concerned about that. And I was confused because I know that we've worked on the words um, for him to be able to use around um, some disagreements with friends. And we had found out that um, the, oh, everybody seems to be popping through now. Maybe, maybe blog talk radio has actually cleared up the issue here. So let me see if I can start to let some people in here and see if they can join us. I really apologize. Stella, yay! Okay, yay. great. So whatever <laughs> the issue was has now cleared up. And um, I see that we also have, do we have, no, I don't see Jennifer or Ross, but I do see several callers. So um, awesome. I think what we'll do is finish up this email conversation I was having, and then we'll jump to a, yeah. a caller, if you don't mind. Uh, I know Absolutely. you were listening in, so I know you heard <laughs> what our email yeah. is that we're talking about here. Um, so, sorry, losing my train of thought. Oh, right. So he had been a kid, and I know he has the words to solve disagreements with other kids, and he was having trouble um, when a kid uh, took a toy that he was not done playing with. He, it was still his turn in his mind. And I know he has words for that because we work on that at home, and it was a big thing that we worked on for a long time with his sister, and it's going quite well now. So I was really confused. So I had to do a lot of thinking about what could have been at work that was different. Um, and not being at school was also at a bit of a disadvantage, um, and I certainly could have asked his teachers and would have the next day if I was still in the dark. But it hit me that he had changed classrooms and he had different teachers. And so I just asked him when we were playing, um, you know, was it hard when your friend um, took the toy because you weren't sure if your teachers were going to help you um, because these are new teachers. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, and he nodded his head. Yes. And so, you know, it, it took a lot of detective work to sort of figure that out. And again, if I couldn't put my finger on it that night, I was going to go ask the teachers to kind of fill me in on some context for why his words failed him. Um, and it, it seemed that it had to do with being in a new classroom. So, you know, um, I let him know that I want everyone to be safe at school and for him to like being at school and, you know, and maybe, you know, what could we do tomorrow and, you know, uh, to kind of help this go better. And he didn't have a whole lot to say. So I suggested that maybe we talk to his teachers and we mentioned that, you know, he's worried that if um, a friend takes a toy that he wants to play with, that he's that, you know, uh, and he uses his words and it doesn't work, that you would help. And that's what we did. And it's been a couple months and it, it, he hasn't had another issue. So I'm hoping that that was helpful. So the bottom line is that the model can still work with very young kids. Um, you're going to play as the partner a more active role because of where they're at with language. And, you know, I even, when I uh, do talks with people, I even let them know that I did the model with my son when he was an infant. Um, and that's really our reference point because it's all in how I perceive what I was seeing um, from him and how I read it and you know did I have my kids do well if they can glasses on um, or lenses as we like to say 
And was my intervention going to come from that? And, you know, it didn't so much rely on him giving verbal feedback as if, of course, he wasn't capable of when he was an infant. Um, but we're very much, we can get a lot of information from reading um, nonverbal clues as well. And, of course, as language comes along, and some of our plan B work with our kiddos might be helping them to gain some language um, then it might sound different over time. So, <clears throat> so don't despair. It can certainly work with very young kids. If you want to email in or call in with a particular example of an unsolved problem, um, we'd be happy to um, talk that over with you. All right. So, Stella, you still with me? Yes. Yep. All right. Great. So we're going to take a caller, and hopefully this goes well. So let's <laughs> see here. Seems to be lining up, maybe. Um, area code 401, you're on the Hi. air, I hope. Hi. Yay! <laughs> Sorry, we're having technical difficulties today. I appreciate you holding. That's okay. Um, a few questions. Um, so when I'm coming up with, um, with unsolved problems for my 11-year-old son, I feel like it, he, he has ADHD, and I feel like a lot of them have to do with trouble, let's say, when I'm trying to come up with them, trouble remembering, let's say, you know, not to criticize brother at mealtimes or trouble remembering. And, and I, 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 I just sort of wonder what, um, what you think of, of the remembering coming into unsolved problems um, you know, as as it relates to ADHD, when kids sometimes have like trouble with with memory at times. Well, can I jump in on this one, Kim? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh absolutely. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, I I am really grateful that you've worded it this way um, specifically because I know that a lot of times when I was writing out unsolved problems. For my son, um, I would catch myself um, trying to filter down the best wording for the unsolved problem. And for me, trouble remembering, especially since you do have some concerns about his his ability to kind of reach back in, into memories, um, mm-hmm. I would take this wording and I would unclump it and bring it to um, trouble with mealtime, trouble with brother at mealtime, and see what he brings up that he remembers. Um, and then you'll know exactly with his help as, as to what he remembers that he's struggling with with his brother at mealtime and what he's not. So you don't Does need, that make need sense? To- yeah, so you don't need to necessarily – I guess it just seems so plain and, like, you're not really um, being clear about what the trouble is, you know, with, like, let's say it's about, the, you know, you criticize your brother for, you know, eating too loud or eating with their mouth open or, you know, other things like that. When when you yeah. say just trouble with mealtime, it, it almost seems too, too, um, too broad. Am, ambiguous. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I yeah. think – I, I mean, I think that you could go then very specifically. Um, you know, I noticed that uh, when your brother makes 
uh, loud crunching noises um, at dinner time that you were struggling with it. Tell me about, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so I yep. think instead of making um, the assumption that he's having a hard time remembering not to criticize his brother, that let's just get right at the heart of the matter. What is it about your brother's crunching carrots right next mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, causing yeah. you yeah. Um, stress? at mealtime. Yeah. Um, two more short questions. Um, in terms of social anxiety, when you feel like kids are not, let's say, you know, coming to the table for meals because of social anxiety, you know, meals with, with other people or large groups, is that something that you feel like is, is you know, up for plan B conversations? You want me to jump in, Stella? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, sure. And then you add if I've missed anything. So um, I would say it is. I would say that you would want to give some thought to what your expectation is and how important mm-hmm. the expectation is. Um, and, you know, if you've decided that, um, you know, eating, coming um, coming to the table for mealtime at dinner is an important expectation that you would like to pursue, and it very well might be, um, yes, yeah, I think you could give, plan be a shot with that. Um, the social anxiety piece, obviously you probably have some observations and maybe some direct information from your child about that. Um, I would probably, when you go to talk to them about it, I would kind of leave that out um, and maybe mm-hmm. more in the drilling stage, be able to inquire about that just to eliminate the chance of making any assumptions, unless of course, again, you have solid um, mm-hmm. evidence from them directly that I just feel anxious mm-hmm. around people, then you mm-hmm. can go ahead and talk, speak to it, you know, cause it's not a theory. Um, but absolutely. And I did want to just highlight on your first question, something that I was really glad that Stella said, she said the word assumption and, and the remembering part, again, you might have some data that says, well, yeah, the memory is really tough. Um, that might be, kind of what we would call a little further downstream in this chain of events that happens um, yeah. Yeah. where, yeah. So, so, you know, getting farther upstream around, you know, difficulty, however you would like to word it, getting along with brother at dinner or difficulty when brother is talking at the dinner table or like Stella suggested difficulty when brother is chewing loudly at the dinner table. And there right. might be several of those actually, you know, right. that you would right. take on right. one at a time. Right. Right. The, no, I mean, I'm concerned I'm... about the remembering. Yeah. I'm assuming it's remembering because when you tell a kid, you know, it's really, you know, (laughs) this is not okay to do, and then they do it over and over, (laughs) then you kind of assume that they're, Mm, but obviously that's a big assumption. You know what? It, yeah, it it often can be a big assumption in our part because, yeah. you know, I mm-hmm. I tell my son often that it's not okay to hit and throw things, and yet right. that's what we right. have almost on a daily right. basis. Right, right, right. and but it doesn't mean that it's a, remember, of, a remembering thing. Yes, yeah, it's just, you know, it's his way of falling in the water. It's what he looks yeah. like when he's looking yeah. bad. So, yeah. you yeah. know, there's some, yeah. there could be something more at work. Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. Um, um, okay, I'm going to try to go on with my so religious observance um have you had people ask you about um sort of things that you expect your kids to do sort of religiously and like if there's kind of a family norm that you've always done 
with, I don't know, things like keeping kosher and, you know, other things like that. Have, have you had people talk to you about um, using this approach in that case? Um, I jump in here, um, Kim. Hold on one second, Stella. I'm going to welcome yep. Jennifer to the, to the conversation because she might have something to add to. Jennifer, did I connect you? I, if you can hear me, you did. <laughs> Yay! We can hear you. Okay. Did you okay. hear the caller's last question about religious yes, observance and expectations? Yep. Okay, great. So who, who wants to jump in? I think, Stella, you were about to say something. Well, I, I just want to let the caller know that I, I lived this. Um, we, um, it, it was actually my very first successful plan B with my son when he was mm-hmm. about 10 years old was uh, about his um, lack of ability to sit still in church. Um, And uh, for the first few few solutions that we put on the table, it really worked. And this is what brought me into the CPS model. So Mm -hmm. absolutely, Mm -hmm. you start with, as Kim mentioned, with your question about social anxiety and and, uh, mealtimes, and joining a large group um, for a yeah. meal, you yeah. start with what the, your expectation um, looks like at home, um, and then you sit with the, your child. Um, and again, like, like we were discussing with, you, with your first question, you word the unsolved problem in such a way that it, you know, it opens up the conversation without without the maladaptive behavior and gets, gets him talking to you and explaining to you what's getting in his way from being able to follow whatever tradition it is yeah. that you've decided to be the, the first priority. Yeah. And um, for, um, for me, it was a, a really great um, reminder when I heard my son tell me that the incense in the, in the cathedral was burning his nostrils and there were mm. too many be- babies crying. And it was when he wanted to sit down, everybody was standing up. And when he wanted to stand up, everybody was kneeling and, yeah. um, and the acoustic was bothering his ears. I mean, and the list just went on and on. And I thought, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, no yeah. wonder you're yeah. having such a hard yeah. time. Yeah. 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 Okay. My last question um, is, I feel like it's really hard to choose which, um, which unsolved problem to start working on. Like you could just go on forever just <laughs> ruminating over which one to start with or which two. So I don't know if anybody has like a quick word of advice on that. It's like the paralysis of starting. Mm. <laughs> start Jennifer, if, if you want to chime in? New, sure. If if this is if you're you're starting out, if this is the beginning mm-hmm. of your CPS mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. Start with something small. Okay. Don't start with something that you think, you know, a lot of people jump in. We discover on the B team, a lot of people will say, I'm trying to plan B screen time. And it's the mm-hmm. first thing that they've tried to plan B. And it's yeah. one of the yeah. hardest things to yeah. work on. Yeah. If you can start with something little, our yeah. first successful Plan B conversation was about difficulty getting out of the car once we get into the driveway, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. and it was yeah. it was a much easier place to start. Yeah. So start with yeah. something little, okay. and remember that the conversation 
isn't necessarily going to look like the two of you sitting down and looking straight at each other and having a conversation. Yeah. Eye yeah. contact in yeah. that initial plan B conversation is I I'm tempted to say overrated, yeah. but yeah. it's going to be difficult. So, okay. you know, rem- remember that you don't need to be looking at each other to have a successful plan B conversation. But okay. start with something easy. Okay. Or something I would agree with that's Jennifer. not. Yeah, Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, no, I was going to disagree with you 100%. And I think the thing to keep in the back of your mind is that every plan B conversation, whether you claim it as complete success or a partial success or not successful at all, is an opportunity to build trust in communicating yeah. with your child. Um, yeah. And so, yes, you'll, you'll, you'll watch those steps accumulate, especially yeah. if you, yeah. you know, take time with it. And, and, like, when you're starting out, is, like, are people trying to have multiple Plan B conversations a day if possible or, like, once a day or, like, once a week? Sort of. Yeah, well, you know, well, that's a great question, I think. Well, yeah. Sometimes I would a say, Plan B conversation you know, might take a, a couple of days even. So I, I don't think that there's any schedule to follow. Yeah. Personally, Kim, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. No, I'm with you. And it's it's basically, you know, your goal is to get the kid talking, right? You want your yeah. kid talking so you get some yeah. information to better position yeah. you as a helper. So, you know, uh, at first it tends to be that kids are only up for, you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then as they start to understand and trust that this is not plan A, then maybe you could do more, you know, and you start to build yeah. sort of a, I yeah. call it a cadence of plan B, you know, yeah. so you know, do what is comfortable for you, do what is comfortable for your child and what's producing the best results. But I, and I, you know, the number one thing is, yes, there are three steps to this model, but you don't have to go into the conversation thinking I've got to get through all three in, yeah. in this conversation. You know, if your kid can tolerate it for five minutes, then get as far as you get for five minutes and pick it up again later, okay. you know, um, okay. if they can sit for 20 ish minutes and you, you, you know, they're talking, it's working and you're getting to all three steps. Great. But there is no expectation to do that. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for calling. We appreciate okay. your questions. Okay. Have okay. a great day. Okay. And you know what? You Let us bye. know how it goes. We always love okay. to hear yeah. back from callers. Take, okay. <laughs> take care. So, ladies, it's nice to have you both here. I'm so sorry about the um, technical issues. Dr. Green couldn't get through either. He was texting me. So, um, But they cleared up, and you're here, and he's not able to be. He was going to have to leave at this time anyway. So um, glad to have you both. I'm well, happy to be like here. To ask you guys if there's any, yeah, I always like to ask you guys if there's any hot topics or anything that you want to bring up to the call Um you know, before we dive into callers and emails. So you guys have anything on your mind or anything you're noticing in the B team lately? Well, well I'll just I'm, take a, a moment for, um, I just got back in town from my visit with my son at his uh, therapeutic boarding school in Utah. I flew in last night and drove home this morning. So I um, am... Ooh feeling that high of having spent the weekend with my boy that's taking multiple steps forward. And of course, the struggles are, are still in place, but 
man, I got a, I got a kid that hasn't had a haircut since November to get a haircut. <laughs> and that felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the B-team, so awesome. I won't take up any call time with that. That's very exciting news, though. Thank you for that update. <laughs> uh, if I could just stick in, um, this is something that the moderators have noticed recently on the B team. Um, it's really hard, especially when you're just starting out with CPS. The temptation is to jump in with those solutions. Um, and it's it. we notice that it happens a lot when somebody will post a question and say, you know, this is the problem that I'm having. What do you think? How can I plan B it? That the, the first instinct is to jump in and say, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? <laughs> and <laughs> the, one of the toughest things to do, I think, is when you're starting out with CPS is to remember that you don't want to jump straight to those solutions right off the bat. Our instinct is to try to fix things. But what CPS has taught me is that I can't fix it if I don't know really what the problem is, and I can't fix it all on my own if it's not all just about me. So don't be too quick to jump to solutions. Start with your, your fact-finding. Put on, my mom used to call it her Encyclopedia Brown hat because I loved to read Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown books when I was little. Um, and, and, and figure out, you know, more of what's going on and, and stick in that empathy step as long as you have to. And sometimes it's much longer than you think it should be. <laughs> but jumping straight into <laughs> solutions, even with other adults, is not going to solve the problem right off the bat. So Amen. That's <laughs> very wise words. Yes, very wise words. It's hard, you know. Um, when I learned the model, I wasn't a parent yet, and so I was a clinician, and by definition, you know, I didn't become a clinician for the fame and fortune. I became a clinician to help, right, because there is no fame and fortune, right? <laughs> I'm a helper, and I'm a good problem solver, so it would be hard for me to like sit on my hands and not jump to solutions. And, you know, time and time again, you just see, and it's that old adage, you know, give them fish or teach them to fish. And you're trying to teach them to fish. So you really do want the process to unfold and allow your partner, the kid, you know, to have their time and um, really understand where they're coming from and give them first crack at, at solutions, you know, after you've put your concern on the table. There really is a reason why the steps are in order the way they are. And, um, yeah, and it's hard, you know. You you are often, as an adult, very practiced in problem solving and might have eight different great ideas right off the bat. <laughs> but truly, the first step and the second steps are solution-free zones, you know, um, and it's so, I was just saying this to a group I'm working with, it's so, such great assessment information when you do do the invitation step with a kid and you repeat, you know, what they're worried about and you add yours to it. I wonder if there's a way to help you with X in such a way that also Y, do you have any ideas? And what they say next is really good assessment information. Um, yeah. So it's, 
Yeah, so great point, and thank you for that reminder. I think that's uh, something that we are often reminding adults about who are starting out not to not to jump right into solutions. Um, you're excited, and we get that. <laughs> and it's, you know, you want to be fired eventually. You don't want to have to be the problem-solving tour guide for the rest of this kid's life, right? And so, yeah. in order to get fired, you've got to give them give them a shot. <laughs> My favorite yeah, analogy. Yeah, my favorite analogy was Dr. Dr. Green at the second time that I saw him in a day-long conference. He said a, a really great entry point into a proactive plan B looks like an adult headed into an airplane where not even the pilot knows where the destination is. <laughs> Yeah, I like to say and that. I say, don't worry. You're a you are a co-pilot. You have some control of that where that plane's going. But when you go into the conversation, you don't know where it's going because then you're doing very nice plan A. Yeah, right. yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and we we sometimes on the B team call that plan A in plan B clothing. Yep. <laughs> that yeah. if you're going in and you're asking your even if you're even if you're going through the empathy step and you're gathering information. If you're going into the conversation with the goal of getting your kid to understand why they ought to do what you're telling them to do, <laughs> that's right. not plan B. Right, right. <laughs> it it might Ladies, it if, might be very empathetic I, plan A, but it's plan A and plan right. B close. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, Blog Talk Radio has tricked me several times this morning, but right now it's telling me that we have another caller from the same area code, though, so same 401. Okay. So we're going to see if this indeed is a caller, okay? Okay. okay. Area code 401, you are on the air. What's your question for us today? Let's see. I think we're being tricked. It's tricking you. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, having the uh, the call from the same area code, I was thinking it might not be, right? But who knows? A lot mm. of people live in area code 401. <laughs> Could have been, but I guess not. <laughs> All right. But anyhow, okay. we have another email to get to. If you ladies would like to take this on with me, I bet you guys are going to have sure. something to say about this one. Um, hi, Dr. Green. Okay. I'm looking for encouragement and hope. I've been trying to implement CPS in our home with our 10-year-old for a while. The Plan B talks go well. The problem is the implementation of Plan B. He is super impulsive. When in the moment, Plan B gets thrown out the window because he gets into fight mode and is also too defiant to accept help or reminders of the Plan B that was made which I think she means solutions when she's saying plan B. It usually has to do with using words or walking away when frustrated rather than hitting. Is CPS successful for impulsive kids? How? How can I help them to succeed? You guys want to weigh in first? <laughs> I'm thinking about my tattoo. <laughs> the very first time that I was on the radio show, 
Dr. Green said, he said, you know, return to the model, and he said something about how we should all have signs made, and I told him I was thinking of having it tattooed onto my arm. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've, I've thought about that a lot of times because sometimes I need return to the model tattooed on me. Um, one of the most insightful things I've ever heard him say is if your plan B solution doesn't work, you didn't get all the concerns. Go back right. to the model. <laughs> and if it's not working, it just means your conversation isn't finished yet. It's not a failed plan B. It's just not a finished plan B. Correct. Very nice. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, we have that question a lot, you know, when solutions don't work and it sounds like so the, the unsolved problem comes up again and the solution that was agreed upon proactively, which I'm excited to hear, right, um, doesn't end up working when the opportunity presents itself. And so, yeah, the temptation is to maybe get frustrated and decide that the model isn't working. But there's something to be learned about that. This is a learning opportunity. Um, And in going back to the model, as Jennifer said, you know, I often like to say, you know, something about our solution didn't work. What, What do you make of that? And see what the kids' observations were give your observations and, and factor in that new information into tweaking the solution um, as it's needed. And like Jennifer said, maybe you didn't get all the concerns out in the first place or sometimes first solutions just don't work and we, we have a little trial and error going on. That happens for adults too when we're solving our own problems. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I would definitely keep at it. Um, the other thing that struck me in this email when it says it used to have to do with using words or walking away when frustrated rather than hitting. Um, This is interesting to me because the walking away when frustrated is, and I'm making a big assumption here, but that's often an adult solution. Um, That actually might not be possible. Right. And so if, um, somebody says something to get the kid that upset, right? It might not be possible for them to just walk off and not address it and not deal with it. They might actually need a different strategy. I hope I'm making sense here, but that they might need a different strategy to handle that problem. um, You know, that, that isn't exactly what an adult would do. It might be asking a lot for a kid to just walk away. Right. And so, I would definitely be giving some thought when you're in step three to how feasible, how doable the solution is that you're coming up with. Um, Maybe even doing some role playing or or things like that, just to try to get some insurance on that solution. If that is in fact what you end up trying to um, trying to work out. But my sense is if it were that easy for the kid, they, they would have walked away. Now you might need to build in something else. Um, first, right, for this to go well. And and I'm taking this from my vast experience working with challenging kids living in residential programs and having gone to jail and and all of that, that, you know, first I had to understand what was happening in their brains when they were getting that upset, right? So if somebody says something to you that's not terribly nice, you know, many kids could let that go. This kid can't. So what does your brain say to you in that moment? And trying to understand what happens for them 
and their thinking um, so that we can have the solution address the thinking, <laughs> which would then make it possible for this to not end up in an explosive situation, right? So if the kids, if, if, if a friend says something, um, you know, derogatory about this kid's clothes, say, and this kid starts thinking, um, here we go again, nobody likes me, the whole world's out to get me, right? Mm-hmm. Then that we would call uh, inflexible and accurate interpretation or cognitive distortion. And, and our solution, part of it anyway, would need to be aimed at pausing that tape and stopping that thinking, you know, because one kid saying something about your clothes doesn't mean the whole world's out to get you, right? And if that's how you're thinking, of course, this is going to lead itself to, um, to a, you know, a potentially explosive situation. But if we can fix that thinking and our solution and strategy is aimed at doing that, um, that's what's going to make it more possible for this to have a better outcome. Um, am I making sense, guys? Yep. Yeah. You are. <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I'm – that happens when I have so much to say, you know, and then I just can't get it out uh, systematically. So you guys have anything else to add to that one? You know, I, I would just add, I um, you know that you've been practicing the CPS bill for a long time when with your child you get to the point where the unsolved problem is that the solutions aren't sticking and you're having a proactive conversation about, about sticking to solutions. And I, I remember for a while there, um, and this is after um, my son had gone, had read the stretch more, the adventures of stretch more. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he understood um, plan B conversations so well that he was, he was wanting to see how, how far he could take it. And this is not an assumption. He actually told me. Um, So (laughs) we got to the point where the unsolved problem was that solutions weren't sticking. Um, And that was a really interesting conversation too. But luckily that was short-lived and um, (laughs) we were able to move on to other unsolved problems. But um, yeah, I, I think Kim, I think you're right on the money um, with, with your advice there. Um, but if for somebody out there, if one of your unsolved problems is that the solutions just aren't sticking, you know, then that's a, that's a great conversation to have to get your, your partner to help you understand what's going on, what's getting in your way. And the only other thing that I would add would be to say that what I was, what we were talking about before, about Plan A and Plan B close. If your solution isn't sticking, then it may be. I'm not saying it is, but it may be. And I, I ask me how I know this. <laughs> it may be <laughs> that your kid agreed with your your suggestion for a solution just to end the conversation, not because they really thought that it was a viable solution. (laughs) So it didn't really quite address everything that, that might have come up in your plan B conversation, but your kid was worn out and tired of it. And you maybe weren't letting yourself recognize those cues and felt like you really had to reach a solution. So you throw one out there and your kid says, okay, fine, let's do that. 
mostly because they want you to close your mouth. <laughs> Ask me you know, how I know that. <laughs> that's right. You know, and I would also say that sometimes the kids, when you do circle back and say something about our solution didn't work, sometimes they still think that it's a viable option, but they are actually having a trouble remembering. And so you tweak the solution by adding some sort of reminder. I'm thinking about a kid I worked with that needed a note in his pocket for him to remember the solution. And once we did the note, the solution worked, (laughs) you know, and so um, it's important to circle back and find out what the kid's perspective is on why the solution didn't work and share your observations too, because, you know, more information together is going to yield a more durable solution. We've used a code word in our house sometimes Mm. as a Mm -hmm. reminder. So you don't have to go back through the whole conversation. Just the code word is enough to sort of break that thought process and go, oh, yeah, this is what we said. So (laughs) Perfect. Well, we're about at the end of our show. I do want to take the opportunity to let people know that we have just added a free screening of the Kids We Lose to the our, our annual summit day in Portland, Maine on November 15th. You do not have to attend the summit in order to go to the screening. The screening is absolutely free. You just need to let us know you're coming so we can prepare with chairs and stuff. So I wanted to let people know that. And the film is screening uh, this Friday in Los Angeles at a film festival that we're very excited, the Awareness Film Festival. So if you're in L.A., Friday at 530, check it out there. A lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, thank you so much for the callers calling in and for the emails. We appreciate your time, ladies. Have a great day, everybody, and join us next month. Great. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, Jennifer. Bye. Bye.